Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's exactly what we do here every single day. Today, we are back with Lisa Bilio in part two of our chat around her book, Radical Confidence. We will start with our quote, how other people treat you is a reflection of them. How you react is a reflection of you. Friends, Lisa Bilio. She is the co-founder of the billion-dollar company Quest Nutrition, co-founder and president of Impact Theory. She's the host of Women of Impact, a show featuring women who have overcome incredible hardship to achieve massive success. Her mission is to empower all women to become the heroes of their own lives. Heal Squad, I'm sure you loved episode one. You're going to really love episode two. And uh, like I said, this book is amazing, and I think it will help anyone and everyone on their journey to building their confidence. Without further ado, here's part two. So there's so much in this book that I dog-eared and went crazy about. One of the things I love is, and I remember we talked about this before too in person, is no bullshit, what would it take? Will you explain that I don't know if it's a mantra or a belief or just kind of a, a tactical tool in life. I friggin' love it. Yeah, this was one of those things that um, when we, st- we we call it a game. So Tom and I are like, let's play the game. No bullshit. What would it take? So really it's about assessing the goal and then going, what is it actually going to take to get there? Because some people may see, and I'm just going to use you as an example if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, some people may go, oh my God, I want to be Maria. I want, that's my goal. I want to be a host. I want to have a show. I want to be as successful as Maria. And then they work on it and they work on it and they keep failing. They keep failing. And now they start to think about, it's about them. It's about how no good they are. And now they've got the story they're telling themselves and they don't end up there. And then now they're regretting. I can't believe I didn't do it. But now I go, let's just actually look at no bullshit. What would it take to actually be as good as Maria? Right? Because now it's a different framing. It's saying, okay, how did Maria get where she is? And no bullshit, what would it take? So let's say you just said, how many years have you been doing this? 
I'm 43 turning 44. It was 22, 22 years. Okay, 22. I hate to think how many hours that is. I couldn't even imagine. Oh, no, Lisa, trust me. Okay. It was 20 hours a day, seven days a week for the longest time. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. So now that's the no bullshit. Guys, you want to be freaking as good as Maria, you need 22 years and you need 20 hours or however many hours you said, right? Mm-hmm. And now are you willing to do it? That's the no bullshit, people. Like that's no bullshit. This is what you have to do to be as good as Maria. And here's the beautiful thing in this. Now it's up to you. You go, do I actually want it bad enough or not? And so part of the no bullshit is like, okay, let's say you're married with kids and you go, all right, no bullshit. Maria's been doing it for 22 years and it's been, you know, seven days a week. All right, no bullshit. What would it take to do that? Okay. That means I don't get to see my husband. Those three vacations we take a year. Nope. Can't do that mm-hmm. either. Um, the kids that I love putting to bed every night. Nope. Can't take that because those are the hours I actually need to put towards it because if I want to be as good as Maria. I have to put in the hours. And now you've laid out exactly what your life looks like to be as good as Maria. And now you go, do you actually want to do it? And this is the beauty of the game because you may then go, oh shit, no, that's not the life I want. And isn't that wonderful? And you're freed. You're freed. You're never beating yourself up about the fact that you're not as good as Maria. Because you've said, I looked at what it would take to be as good. Mm -hmm. And I've decided I'm not willing to do it. It's not the life I want. Yeah. I do that, but without the framework of no bullshit, what would it take? And I love it because now I'll really use that Mm -hmm. lens in life um, because it's really being reinforced right now. But I missed every family event every wedding, every christening, everything, holidays. Um, The only time I got to uh, experience a holiday is when I would import my parents and they would be here with Mm us. Um, My husband, our our date nights or date times or togetherness was when he would drive me to get my nails done and sit in the chair next to me or wait in the car when I'm at the gym working out, which at some, there were some periods in life where I got to work out. It was very strange. <laughs> Just a few little pockets. Uh, Ryan Seacrest and I talk about it all the time on Live with Kelly because he worked out at the same gym. And he's like, and your husband, he'd just be in the car <laughs> waiting for you. I'm like, well, that was the only time I could see him. Oh, right. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, there is, there's a lot of sacrifice that comes with wanting really big things, right? You guys wanting to build Quest. You talk about the sacrifices in here. Yeah. You know, when you want to do things, you have to know that there's sacrifices that you have to make. Now, that same person might say, I don't want that, but maybe I can do something different. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a version of this I could do. Maybe I could do a podcast and maybe it doesn't have to be the most explosive podcast in the world, but I get to do what I love. I get to talk to people or whatever it is. So you can kind of shift things. But I think that the way you just explained it was so cool. I don't know how the Queens felt it in there. Do you (laughs) guys have anything to add? It's just all so good. I mean, honestly, something that I had pulled from the book that kind of goes with it, Lisa, and I think can go hand in hand is you talk about it was on page 105. I literally have the quote. (laughs) You don't get brownie points for pushing through pain. It's okay to push yourself occasionally, but you can't ignore your distress signals. There is no material goal that's worth sacrifice of your mental mental or physical health. And then you go on. So I kind of think it's interesting. And I would love you to go because I feel like these two things go hand in hand, right? It's like don't push, don't over push yourself. You don't get brownie puts for over pushing yourself, but then also understand like it's going to take a lot to get to that place. You, you're not going to like, you have to work. So I don't know. I would, well, cause it's confusing, right? right? Because 20 hours a day, seven days a week, I did have to push my mental health and right. my physical and health I'm like, all no. the time. I, right. And so, so it has to be what you are okay with. Right. 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 
I also didn't know what I was doing because I was 22 right. and I was like just all in. But um, but you have to decide how much is too much for you. And how much is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what was going through my head when you guys were But again, it's what you put in is what you're going to get back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A thousand percent. And that's actually another reason why you need to play the game. So talking about this book, I said to Tom when I first wrote it, I was like, I would love to be New York Times number one, right? Like it's, I'm I'm a bit old school like that. I want to win the Academy Award. Like I just love that stuff. So I was like, I really want to be New York Times number one. So I played the no bullshit award to take to be New York Times number one. And I laid out my game plan so that I could look at it with very open eyes. And as time has gone on, it's re- it's requiring a lot more of my time to dedicate, to, f- to complete this plan that I've laid out that will get me to New York Times number one. And the other day I said to Tom, babe, I'm not going to work Saturdays. And he was like, okay. He's like, almost like, why are you telling me? And I'm like, because I've assessed what it may take for me to get to New York Times number one. And looking at how many hours and how much it's now becoming more and more consuming as each day goes by, I've realized I'm now becoming borderline. I'm going to risk my health. Mm. And I said, in playing the no bullshit, what would it take? I've realized that I'm not willing to allow my health to become the detriment. Oh, sorry. I won't allow my health to be, um, to, to crash and burn just so that I can achieve the New York Times number one. That's really tough. So I'm saying it out loud right now, babe. Wow. I won't work on Saturdays because I need my me time. I work Sundays. I'll work 18 hours in a day. Like mm-hmm. I, it's not, but I'm like, I know this is actually the line. And if me taking off Saturdays means that I don't get to the New York times, number one, I am making that conscious decision with my eyes wide open. Because to your point, Kelsey, it's like, I don't want to burn out again. I've been there. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's I so know, hard to get back. Yeah. You know where it leads to. And so when I think about that and I'm like, no, New York Times number one isn't worth. Three wasn't bad. I liked three. <laughs> Girl, trust me, I'll take three. Um, but yeah. it, it, you know, so that's why the game is even more powerful because it allows you to assess how many hours do I have to put in each day, every day to get to this goal? Mm-hmm. And am I willing to do it? Yep. And so I, but so I reassess. Good. I always take it with me, right? So I put this plan in place a year and a half ago. But life has changed in the last year and a half. You know, things have changed. The plan has changed. The promotion has changed. My Mm -hmm. life has changed. So it's like I make sure that I'm able to ebb and flow. But where I am right now, I've realized that if I don't take my Saturdays to myself where I switch my phone off completely, I get to draw. It's my sanctuary. And that is my peace. And I realize that if I don't have that peace, come Monday, I'm not going to be able to show up and sell the book. Yeah. So... Am I okay with not hitting New York Times number one? It's still going to sting, but I've processed it and I've worked through it and I'm very aware of where my actions take me. And that's the the key here is being so self-aware that you can put what your goal is. You can write out a game plan, but be self-aware to start along the way. See if it actually becomes something that you really want to, because I think sometimes we get fixated on 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 the goal that we don't assess for so many years, going back to the whole gratitude thing. I didn't assess that for eight years I was going to be stuck. I was just so fixated on provide for your husband, be there for your husband. Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. 
It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content, and a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community, or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment, and we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts, that's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menounos Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. But how great that you went through that because now Mm -hmm. you are so methodical and I've watched it behind the scenes when you're assessing whether to take something on, you really put it through the meter. Mm. Is this taking me to my goal? Is this not taking me to my goal? If it's not taking me to my goal, as amazing as it sounds, as exciting as it could be, I have to pass. And I learned that from you and I, and I've tried to apply it to my own life because Kevin and I can so easily just get so excited. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, let's do it. And then we'll get like, you know, we murder ourselves in the process because there's a process to get there. Right. Like everything can sound amazing, but the work is still going to have to get done. And so you have to really think about what you're taking on and be methodical about it. And I love this, you know, no bullshit. What would it take? process because I think, you know, now Kelsey, you probably will take that into consideration. It's like, okay. Oh yeah. If I want a Porsche convertible, <laughs> no bullshit. What's it going to take? Right. Well, shit, that's expensive. And mm-hmm. I'm going to have to do X, Y, and Z, squeeze the limit here, cut that, do this. Mm-hmm. Ah, maybe I'll be okay with I'm something good, else. I'm good with my Prius. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. hundred percent. You yeah. can apply it to anything. Although I want to make sure you get the Porsche someday. <laughs> I, I actually meditated I it on that the other day. And then I was like, oh, but what about Pooja? Fuck. All right. We're going to get Pooja one too. <laughs> Pooja, you did your meditation. Pooja. That's amazing. I did. Well, because I'll do like my little prayers. And then I, and I don't remember in what context this was coming up. But oh, because I was thinking about where I want to be. And what I want. Yeah. And I was like, oh, but then I have to, I have to make sure they're included and in how they get what they want in this process too. So I was like, I just had to come up with something. I'm like, well, Kelsey likes my car. <laughs> okay. Well, Hilarious. we got to get her a car. We got to get her the car. And so I was like, that's why, that's, that's where funny. the mindset it. was. That is such, I mean, here's the thing. That's such a freaking smart business move, right? It's really like the thing that we say in our company is when two selfish desires aligned, it is the most magic you'll ever get in a partnership because now someone's showing up for their own needs, their own wants, their own desires, not for yours. And that is so freaking powerful. So for you to go, oh, what is Kelsey's thing? What is that thing that she really wants? How can she get what she wants while I get what I want as a team? That's when it freaking explodes, girls. So sweet that you did it in your meditation though. (laughs) (laughs) I was laughing. I was like, okay, I'm using that as a, as a place marker for yeah, like it's cool. their dreams, right? Because I just, I don't know, it just popped into my head. I'm like, well, she really liked my car. Okay, we'll get her a Porsche. <laughs> Not we, you, but with this, this goal that I'm pushing us towards because I'm envisioning mm. where we want to go with everything. So it was just kind of funny. And then I was like, oh, fuck, we got to think about Pooja now too. Pooja's on the team. And yeah, then <laughs> we don't know what little Pooja wants. Pooja, what do you want? 
I'm good with the Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> she's not I'll picky. <laughs> yeah. I'll she's like, like it. She's, she's not picky. Um, but but um, there were some other things too. And so I want to, oh my God, there's so many things can in we, here. Maria, can we talk about, Lisa, you talk about sabotaging yourself. Oh, yeah. Sabotage. Yeah, buddy. I really want you to go into oh, that. Oh, and then I want to talk about dream killers. Oh, okay. <gasps> So sabotage us, self-sabotage <laughs> that we want to talk about. Go there. All right. How often do we self-sabotage? It's like we don't even sometimes give us the opportunity to actually do badly at something because we've already we already convince ourselves, oh no, that's not gonna work. So that's actually just a form of self-sabotage right there, where you want something, you've already convinced yourself it's not gonna happen, so you don't even try in the first place. To me, that's actually the worst self-sabotage because you literally don't give yourself a chance. But in order to prevent that, like how do you keep going is I'm going to go back to goal. What is your goal? Like, what is that? And now write down all the reasons why you can't get to your goal. Like, write them out. And now I want you to assess, is it a reason or is it an excuse? Because I actually want you to argue with yourself. That's the whole point of it. So if it's like, the the example I give in the book is about, let's say, working out, because it's always the easy one. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, you want to, um, I really want to get fit, but, you know, um, I just don't have the time. Okay, write that down. What if you did it in the morning? What time? What do you mean you don't have the time? What does that actually mean? Oh, you're talking to Kelsey. All right, Kelsey, I'm talking to you, homie. <laughs> um, actually, I've been walking every night, so... Oh, there you go. Oh. Okay. What did you Ladies. do? Now, did, was that after? Or did you, like, did you have to convince yourself to do it? Honestly, it was because we had a heel event the other night that we kind of like went over schedule blocking. And I was like, you have time. You okay. Can, like, I literally blocked it out. Perfect. That's, that's yeah. exactly the way you do it. I don't have time. Okay, look at your schedule. What about this time? What about this time? What if you set your alarm? That's the easy one, right? What if you set your alarm in the morning and went to the gym in the morning? Like as an option. Well, I, I, I love sleeping in the morning. Okay. Then the next thing, what would you do? Go, to, go at night. Yeah, but I like hanging out with my friends at night. Okay. So what now- What do you want more? <laughs> yes. Now what do you want more? And here's, again, the beautiful thing is when you're able to answer that with no judgment- you go, actually, huh, I'd rather just have the life of fun and not work out. Amazing. Now, you've literally just sabotaged yourself, sabotage because when you're telling yourself, when you're sabotaging, like, oh, crap, today, you know what? I didn't fill my car up with gas, going back to that, so I can't go to the gym. That's self-sabotage. You have a goal, but you're doing things and acting in a way that will actually sabotage your goal. But now, if you've assessed and you've said, my goal is this, and you've come out with all the reasons why you're not doing it, and you argue with yourself, and maybe then you come to the conclusion, oh, I actually don't want to do it in the first place. Mm -hmm. And that's where you self you sabotage, that self-sabotage, because now you're not beating yourself up over telling yourself what a lose you are, that you're not going to the gym, and that you've told yourself you're going to go work out, and you haven't, right? That negative mindset where you beat yourself up over not doing something is now gone, because you've actually stared it nakedly in the you know, stared at it you've addressed it you've challenged yourself and you've come up with an answer mm -hmm. yeah it's like relationships so many people are like i wish i had you know my partner and it's like well do you really want that because your behavior doesn't say mm. that necessarily so if you do this process you might come to the conclusion of wow i like being single and having a lot of fun yeah i didn't realize it there are a lot of people who don't because it's hard to be conscious Right? Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. Because look, I get it. We all want to feel good about ourselves. Like, that's it. You know, when, no matter how much success, I mean, how many freaking billionaires have to commit suicide before we know success and money doesn't buy happiness? And when you're by yourself and the lights are out 
and your eyes are closed, what do you have? The thoughts, your mind, that's it. Like, that is it. And so what are you telling yourself? And in moments when you're self-sabotaging, at least for me, I can only speak for myself, in those moments, I'm beating myself up. I'm telling myself what a freaking loser I am. But as soon as I sabotage there, my self-sabotage, I don't do that anymore. Mm. Because I've given myself, oh no, Lisa, you're not a loser. You made a conscious decision not to do it because it didn't align with the life you wanted and you processed it by doing this exercise, by assessing all the reasons you're giving yourself and then you're debunking them. So, do you yeah. still apply that with everything? Yeah, yeah, I do. But it's probably more innate now. Yes. You have to like fill out the list. Yes. But, that's but what, I like the list. But I do that, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, what's the problem that I'm facing right now? What's holding me in my way to getting to that goal? Again, goal-oriented. What's this? Oh, this month, <laughs> whatever. It's self-sabotage. I'm doing it a lot. Great. I'm not going to focus on external validation. I'm not going to you know, worry about the fact that I apologize too much. All I'm going to do is this month, focus on this problem that I have. I self-sabotage myself all the freaking time and it doesn't serve me. So for this month, I'm going to work on that until I feel comfortable into having implemented it into the way that I think. And I'll keep going. Once I'm comfortable with it, I'll then put in things so I don't forget it. So whether that's then, okay, I feel good about this, but you know what? I'm going to put post-its for the next couple of weeks. And I'm just going to remind myself because mm-hmm. I think I've got it, but maybe I haven't. So I'm just going to put post-its. Then, you know what? I'm going to take the post-its down. I'm going to just put one alarm a week just to make sure that I've really got it right. And I put these little elements and these little stepping stones mm-hmm. of plans because I know myself. I know that in a month I may freaking forget. Yes. And I know that if I'm trying to improve myself in all these different areas at once, it becomes overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So that's where I take these little things into your point because I've really refined that skill set because I think everything I'm talking about are skills that we have to cultivate. And so once I've cultivated that, I can now move on to the next skill set that I'm trying to cultivate. I love it. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. That's why I love my Joe Dispenza meditations, because Mm. in the meditations, he'll say, you know, what is that new life that you're building and then you envision that and then it's like where do you never want to be again and then I go back to these things and so I know what I'm working on is okay I'm building my healthy boundaries I'm protecting them I am understanding my value and my worth and not diminishing it and things so then it's becoming so habitual because I'm meditating it on every single day that it might slip my awareness for a split second I'm like oh no I'm gonna respond back let me think about this so I can really figure out what I really need and want here. Mm. That was my this morning text. Let me see what I really want here and need. <laughs> and it, it becomes a habit then because you've you've built that muscle for so long, but you mm-hmm. have to put the post-it notes on. You have to really be kind of trenched in it so that you 
we'll make it a habit. Yeah. And then the other added thing that I do then is I don't beat myself up when I realize that I've actually slipped. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. It's like, look, everything I'm talking about, of course, I'm going to freaking slip on. I'm human. So I go, what in those moments of slipping, how do I react to it? And that's the thing. I don't beat myself up. So let's say I'm working on the skill set of like, um, one of the things I talk about is emotional sobriety. Like how do you stay emotionally sober? That what I mean by that is, you know, we've had too many glasses of alcohol, you do something, the next day you're like, oh, God damn it, I shouldn't have done that, mm -hmm. I shouldn't have said that, I had too much to drink. Same with emotions. How many times have you got pissed, mad, upset, you've said something, done something, and the next day you're like, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. So I talk about emotional sobriety and how to stay calm under pressure in situations that don't necessarily serve you or your goal, whether that's in a relationship or a business situation or whatever. And so emotional sobriety to me, I don't go, how do I be perfect? I've accepted and I've just told myself, there's not one person on this freaking planet that's perfect. So, except for Beyonce. I'm kidding. <laughs> except for Beyonce. She's there's the always a one. bloody exception, isn't there? <laughs> only her. <laughs> I'm like, kidding, of course, everybody. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Whenever someone you mean says she's that, not I say perfect? <laughs> but that's the thing, the right? Beehive's is that, coming yeah. for us. Shit. <laughs> Oh, but if you're not, if you know that that doesn't actually exist, now I go, how do I still be proud of myself when I fail? And so I go, okay, cool, Lisa, you know about emotional sobriety, you know, it doesn't serve you. You've built these tools on how to overcome it in certain emotions. So like if someone's really pressing a trigger, how do you handle it in that situation? If someone is, um, you know, um, if you're in a moment of upset or feeling shame, how do you overcome that without holding, you know, onto it? Like, so I talk very deeply about that. And so the thing being is that when you have moments of realizing that maybe you failed or whatever, I just go, but I got better. And so if it took me, let's say an argument with Tom, I don't know how much you argue with Kevin, but oh, when, I, when, when I first met Tom, I don't know about you, is like I would argue with him. And sometimes arguments will last like three days. And then you're just like, after that, you're like, what were we arguing about? But you're so freaking heated and you're saying things and you're upset and you like wind each other up. And then three days go by and you've wasted your time. And you're like, why on earth did we do that? So I go, that was the three days where Tom and I first started. Now we're down to like four minutes, you know? And so I go to every day, I just get better. And some days I slip. Sometimes we get annoyed and we have a little bicker and it lasts a couple of hours. And I don't beat myself up in those moments. I go, okay, Lisa, sadly, you didn't do as good this time as you did last time. Don't beat yourself up. But what are the things? Where didn't, what are the red flags that you didn't identify? What are you going to do next time so that you can take what took you just now 20 minutes? And now I want you to actually reduce it down to 10 minutes. So the point being, don't worry if you slip. Does that mean apologize faster? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Even if you're not wrong. Oh, I right, see. So here's the thing. I've never <laughs> Did apologized. Did you like that? Even if you're not wrong. Not if, even if you're right. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> even true. if you're not wrong. Well, here's the thing. Would you apologize even if you don't think you're wrong? I do. Do you? Just to let it go. Yeah, because none of it's usually that important. Okay. So I'm like, because recently it was one of those situations and I'm like, I'm right. But whatever. I don't want to feel like this because it's about how I want to feel. Ooh. And so I'm like, I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to carry this. I know what this feeling's like and it's going to, I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to have that anxiety. He's going to have that anxiety. Just let the air out of the balloon. Mm -hmm. And you know what happened? He, he was like, thank you. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I was like mad that he didn't say, oh no, it was me. Like, I was yeah. like, okay. And then he adjusted the behavior that we had the fight about without saying anything. Interesting. Adjusted the behavior. And it's been a point of contention 
for a while and he adjusted it anyway. Interesting. So it was a little, it was a little experiment. But you didn't actually say to him to adjust? Nothing. Interesting. Because I was tired of saying this annoys me. Mm. And so I was just like, whatever, this is how, you know, eventually I'll have to make some kind of decision or do something, but like, I I can't feel like this. Mm. And then because I, I wasn't punitive in a sense. Interesting. That gave him the space to let the air out of the balloon and then say, probably take a little ownership inside mm. and make the adjustment. So experiment worked. It was yeah. pretty cool. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I definitely walk away. Tom's the one that wants to like have it out there and then. And I'm like, babe, it won't serve us. Like I, I'm like, I will say something. <laughs> I need I w- time. Yeah. I was like, please, babe, I love you. Don't talk to me right now. And like, I have to give him almost the gifts of like, I love you because that's important, but don't talk to me. And then that way I calm down and then I come to the situation. But Tom and I actually will never apologize if we think that we're, if we don't think it's just. Mm. But what we will do, show each other compassion and respect. So once I'm calmed down, I'll go to him or he'll come to me and it's like, babe, I love you so much. I'm sorry I upset you. I still believe this. And so if you do as well, we need to work through it. We have to do it when we're at a calm moment and we have to really like basically still man each other's argument, which means like, I understand your argument. I can take your position and let me show you because that's key. Do they actually understand what you're trying to say? Mm-hmm. So we still man each other's arguments and we'll take it in turns. Be like, let me just explain what I think you're saying. I think you're saying, Lisa, when you do this, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yes, you do understand. Great. Ooh, I still disagree with you. Yep. Because most of the time you're like, do they actually understand what I'm saying? And then if you disagree, then say, okay, is this a deal breaker? What does this mean? How do you feel about it? And no, I have every intention. that I want you to feel the love. And so we kind of like talk through it very logistically and very like openly. Um, So yeah, it's fascinating. I like that. I like that. Relationships are so interesting. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past. But as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go to It first came into the house because of Kevin, he was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. What do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished, I don't even need to do anything else. It 
is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with way. Go to the way T H E O U A I.com and enter the promo code heel squad for 15% off any product. That's the way T H E O U A I.com promo code heel squad. Trust me. You won't regret it. Um, okay. So I really want to get into dream killers. Yes. Because I felt this so intensely for Kevin. I felt your journey was so similar to Kevin's. He's so selfless and he's always just done whatever it takes for the family and for everyone has always put himself last. And so uh, for the Kevins out there, talk about the dream killers. Yes. Do you have them on hand? I'm like, what what were the ones I wrote? Oh my God. Hold on. Let me get to that page. The truth is, The truth is that all of us deserve to go after our dreams. We all deserve to do everything we can to live the life we want. If that sounds big, bold, scary, and incredibly audacious to you, then hell yeah, because that's radical confidence, baby. (laughs) It's about being courageous enough to rock the boat. Rock it even when you already like the boat you're in. Your particular boat could be a yacht that Beyonce boards. (laughs) How funny, (laughs) when she wants to chill out. But if that boat isn't taking you where you want to go, then it's time to jump. Okay, so... You talk about in this next paragraph, um, another thing I did to stab my dream in the heart, which I can recognize now was not taking the time or energy to define it. I knew I wanted to make movies, but I stopped there. Thank you. And you go on to talk about, um, did you want to do features, shorts, or animation? Mm. Um, To make your dream come true, you have to know what you want, why, and be willing to move in any direction in order to make visible steps toward it. Hazy, foggy, Mm. goggle dreams stay floating around up in the clouds specific well-defined ones down to earth uh specific well-defined ones float down to earth to become reality my third dream killer was never get it giving my dream a deadline mm. so i can't find that's okay exactly that gave me... what the first and second one is yeah. but there i think that will help you so yeah thank you um so the dream killers thing hit i look back and i go i go i had Big, massive dreams. I literally, when I was a kid, I was I want to be the first female movie director to win an Academy Award. I mean, that's a young girl, young Greek girl in London to say that. That's big freaking audacious dreams right there. I know, because I'm a Greek girl from Medford, Mass. Right. with big audacious dreams. I'm like, I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to be president. I would literally live my life thinking, okay, when I run for president, is that going to bite me in the butt? <laughs> Can't do it. Sorry, can't do it. I was so squeaky clean so that I would never get into trouble. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's the thing, right? So Mm -hmm. it's like you have these big dreams and I bet you so many of your audience that are listening now have have had those. And then you look at your life and like, what the hell happened? Yeah, someone told you it was unrealistic, whether it was you or someone around you. That's stupid. You can't do that. Yeah, all the time. So you've got people telling you that you can't do it. That's just like one dream killer that you start to believe it. That's just horrifying. Um, and then making sure you actually understand what that dream looks like. The amount of people is like, I just want to be happy. What the hell does that mean? Well, I want to create impact. What does that mean? So let me even talk to you about my mission. I used to say, I want to create impact. And I used to think that that's strong. That's a good enough thing. How on earth do I know if I've reached my goal or not? Oh. What does impact mean? So I had to get so freaking succinct and specific because to the point of what I wrote in the book, is like my goal was to make movies. And so every day for eight years, I kept convincing myself doing these socks is going to get me to make movies. And I just had that blanket statement. What the hell does that mean? Now, when you start to go, what does making movies mean? All right. Does it mean directing, producing, writing? Because let's face it, right now, if I wanted to write a movie, or not right now, but like while I was a stay-at-home wife, then I could have sat down and started writing a screenplay. 
You had the time, right? Yeah. Technically. Yes. But I didn't define what it meant. And then also I kept saying to myself, well, I'm living in LA. Why the hell did I need to live in LA to make a movie? Like what? Oh, living in LA was actually part of the dream in and of itself. It wasn't the making movies. So you have to identify the small nuances so you know which freaking direction you're going to go in. So my mission, I was like, I want to create impact. This is now. And I realized it isn't a tangible goal. I don't know if I've achieved it or not. So what am I going to be chasing a, um, a fiction, like a, uh, a, an idea? What does, mich- what does that goal actually look like? Be specific. The who, the what, the when. And so for me, when I started to think about impact, the who was the 14-year-old girl. Because I can get up every day and fight for that 14-year-old girl that doesn't believe in herself. I've been there. I was that person. So I can fight for that. So I know the who. The what. Creating content. That's what I love. I just said I love Hollywood. And then the um, the how, sorry, the who, the what, the how. And the when. And the when, thank you. So um, so creating content where on YouTube, the who, the 14-year-old girl, and then the when, freaking start immediately. You have to start somewhere. And so I, now my mission statement is, how can, um, I want to create content that impacts a 14-year-old girl to believe in herself um, so that she doesn't spend the next 20 years unwiring the negative mindset that I had. And now I have my North Star. And so now my goal is so freaking succinct that every time I get an offer, every time something comes to me, I say, does this align with my goal? Does this align with a 14-year-old girl? Does this align with creating content? Because I can trick myself into thinking, oh my God, of course it's going to create impact. And then you realize that eight years later, maybe you're not actually working towards your dream at all. And that all came into um, fruition. Like I actually realized all of that only after I'd spent eight years thinking that I was working towards my goal. And actually, when you look back, all I was doing was freaking putting clothes out for my husband and organizing my sock drawer. But I convinced myself, girl, I convinced myself I was working towards that goal. Because it wasn't specific enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a lot of the kind of life coaches and gurus we have on the show always say you have to be so specific because your question was the best. It's like, how do you know when you got there? Mm -hmm. Right? So. And then, yeah. And then saying, you know, what is important? Because you've got views, right? So let's say, for instance, you're like, I just want to reach 100,000 people. Okay, if that's your goal, amazing. But now what if you reach 100,000 people and they all tell you you suck? Damn. Gotta so change you, the goal. You've hit, right? <laughs> but that's the thing. But technically you've reached your goal. But if your goal was impacting 100,000 people, then you've actually not reached your goal. So how are you going to measure not just the views, but the fact that you're actually creating impact? What does that look like? Is it, I want 20% of all comments to be positive Okay, cool. Now you've actually got your data point because I'm such a data-driven person as well. I've got my data point to know, am I at 20% or not? Because it actually doesn't matter if I've hit 100,000 people because if my 20% isn't all positive, then I haven't achieved my goal. So specificity, like what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, how you're going to assess yourself, what data points are you going to use in order to know, am I moving in the right direction or not? Yeah. Because I so worry about spinning my wheels for another 20 years and being in my 60s and going, I didn't even freaking do what I wanted to do. Isn't that heartbreaking? It is. I'm feeling a heel event with Lisa Mm. to help our heel squad get their goals 
on track. I think like a real um, hands-on kind of approach would be really cool because Anthony Trucks was just on, he did a heel event with us and everyone loved um, the specifics of productivity and how to really schedule. Um, I think for women, it's, you know, for the women listening and even the men, it's, you know, if you, you want to go after a dream, even those specific questions, answering them can be challenging, right? So challenging. I mean, that's really the hardest thing. I find that admitting things to ourselves, sometimes are the hardest things to do mm-hmm. than even admitting it to other people. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, Tony's business class that we did, what did he say? You can't measure what you don't Oh, what's um, the word? Can't master what you don't measure. Yeah, something I like that. I think that was. It. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's the thing. You just don't know. Yeah. So even us, we need to have like real specific. We want this amount of growth. We want this amount of. I mean, I do my little post-it notes for my affirmations in the morning. I want this many downloads mm-hmm. by this time, and stuff starts to happen. It's crazy how things happen when you have a place to put your focus. Yes. Right. That's when kind of all the energy starts flowing. And obviously you have to do the work behind it. You can't just say, oh, I want a million dollars and just sit on your couch and think a million dollars is going to come. <laughs> you have to do the work behind it. But um, but I thought the the dream killers was so cool um, and making sure people knew that you have to really you really have to be specific about it. Yeah. And giving yourself a deadline. That was the other thing. Yeah, that's so I actually didn't mention that. Thank you. And that's the thing is that you can be chasing and it's like, well, do you still want to be doing this in five, in 10 years? Because going, I said to myself, well, as long as it feels right. So as long as I'm still want to support my husband, like, so every time he would come home and he'd be like, babe, we just need another year and a half. Cause that was the story. We were going to get enough money to make our own movies. So we thought, oh, we can it'd take a year and a half to make enough money. Oh my God, how funny when I look back now. But I'm like, it'll just be a year and a half. So my husband went out to work and I stayed at home to support him. And then he would come home and he's like, I just need another year and a half. I just need another year and a half. And that ended up being eight years. And so giving goals deadlines is so imperative to then just reassess. Play the no bullshit, what would it take game at your end of every deadline and go, is this still the life I want? Because I think also we get so stuck and... um, I don't know if you play poker, but like I'm such a poker fan where it's like, but I'm pot committed now. It's like you've already put in, you know, most of your chips. So you end up putting more of your chips in, even if you know you're about to lose the hand because you justify it by saying, well, I've put this much time in. I don't want all of this to be a waste. Mm -hmm. And so now I convinced myself, girl, of staying there because I would look back and say, well, I don't want these last five years to be a waste. Well, I can't have these last six years to be a waste. I want to punch myself in the face. Like, <laughs> what on oh earth am God. I thinking? Yeah. That I would rather spend more time doing something Double I down. hated. Yes. Than saying, oh my God, thank God I saw it. Thank God I'm only five years in and not eight years. But I didn't. And that was because I didn't give my goal a freaking deadline. And I didn't keep playing the no bullshit, what would it take? Because I think after the third year, if I'd played that game, and said, no bullshit, what would it still take to build, to make movies? I don't know if I would have kept going. Like, if I had said, okay, it takes another seven, you know, um, two years to be a housewife, doing exactly what you're doing today. I just didn't look at it. I convinced myself Mm -hmm. that I was working towards the dream. I convinced myself that I was actually moving towards it. When the truth was, I was on one of those hamster wheels where you're really not going anywhere. Yeah. How do you advise people on their confidence journey? I know you you say... Mm -hmm. 
you know, kind of sometimes you have to fake it till you get there too. Um, share with everybody as they're on their confidence building journeys, what are some of the tips and tools and tricks that you use? So yeah, you have to get so specific. I'm just going to keep repeating it. Um, I've seen you speak before, by the way. Oh my God. I'd love to hear stories of nerves because you just seem like you're confident all the time. Oh, that's so funny. I know. <laughs> you seem like you are. I, every time I have to speak, I am, my heart's pounding and, um, and I'm definitely nervous, but I do it anyway. Okay. Amazing. You know? And that's the thing, girl. We all get scared. We all some, like... Hopefully we don't all, but we many times we don't believe in ourselves. And so if you say, you know what, I want to public speak. So this is exactly what happened to me. I was like, I want to create impact. I really want to um, help people change their lives. Go from them believing something wasn't possible from, and me helping them believe it is. Now, all the acts are on them. But if I can help someone make that mindset shift, then that's freaking powerful. And so I kept saying no to speaking gigs because I was so scared. And Tom eventually was like, babe, you know, you keep saying no. It doesn't actually move you towards your goal. And so I was like, oh, shit, he just called me on it. And he's right. And so I sat there and I gave no judgment. And I sat there and said, Lisa, I speak to myself, Lisa, what's more important? You want to impact people. What does that look like? Okay, you really want this. Okay, great. You're so petrified about getting on stage. What's more important, your ego or your goal? So you got to ask yourself the right questions. You have to. Because in those moments where I said, what's more? And here's the thing. No freaking judgment. If I chose ego, that's, it's my life. No one's got anything to say. That's if it. I want to feel good about myself because I have other, um, you know, self-esteem issues, hell yeah. Like, that's fine. It's your decision. But was I, Lisa Billy, comfortable with choosing ego over impact? Hell no. So I'd made the decision I needed to get on stage. But now, to your point, how the hell do you get on stage? It's whole one thing to say, all right, I know I need to do it. Mm-hmm. Maria's saying that she's scared, so don't worry. But sometimes when you're in that, that freaking, um, when anxiety is like, you know, coming th- th- through your veins, like what the hell do you do in those moments? And so I was like, I have to have a plan because I cannot get out of my own head. I'm telling myself I'm no good. I'm telling myself I'm going to freeze up there. Who the hell's going to listen to you, Lisa? So what on earth am I going to do just to get on stage? Number one. I mean, Drugs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Man, where, were, where were you years ago? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so number one was I just got to say yes. I was too scared to even say yes. So put in a plan, Lisa, where you get to say yes. Okay. Plan was I told my entire team, next person that reaches out to do a speaking gig, say yes. And so I didn't know. And so what happened was TEDx reached out. And so they said yes. And they're like, so you're doing a TEDx speech. I was like, what? <laughs> but I had a plan in place. So I couldn't allow my nerves to get in my way. So then it was like, how the hell am I going to get on stage? Like, I'm so petrified. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how you do it, where it's like you feel sick, but you still do it anyway. So it's like, I need an actual plan because yes, I'm scared, but I know I have to do it. But just saying it isn't going to motivate mm-hmm. me enough. So it's like, what do I know? What are the things that I can use in my toolbox to get me to freaking step on stage? Music. You freaking put on I'm a Survivor by Destiny's Child. Mm-hmm. That gets me freaking amped. My hair. It becomes like, like my, my uniform, if you will, right? Like my, my watch and my thing. It's like my Wonder Woman cuffs. Yep. And so when I put these on and I get dressed, I do choose my clothes very specifically. I go, what is going to make me feel a certain way so I can freaking show up and believe in myself? Because let me tell you, when you've got your hair tied back, you've got no makeup on and you're wearing old sweats and pajamas, 
you feel a certain way. When you put on some freaking bad bitch boots and you get your hair done and you get your makeup done and you listen to Destiny's Child, by golly, that's going to light a fire under at least my ass. Yeah. So I know these are tools I need to lean into. And so that's just a few things I put in the book. But having an actual game plan, because telling yourself just do it in a way won't work. But you need to know yourself. You need to know what your anthem is or your hype song is. You need to know what your version of bad bitch boots are. So let's just talk about bad bitch boots for a second. They're my knee highs. Mm -hmm. They're zip. I call them bad bitch boots for a reason. It's not accidental. It's like, I was like, oh my God, I need the version of Wonder Woman cape. When you give a cape to a kid, what do they do? They jump off the couch. Mm -hmm. they, act, they actually embody, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just put your hands up. You put up. your hands up, yeah. They embody a superhero. They actually feel it. So I was like, if this can happen for kids, how can I manipulate this to help me? And so I take things and I cultivate the meaning behind them. So my boots, I was like, how can I use these boots as an empowering thing? Oh, what if I call them my bad bitch boots? What if I lean into them? And that's what I did. And so now my boots just... I just call them my bad bitch boots. I don't even think about it anymore because I've cultivated the habit of thinking every time I put on my boots, they make me feel like a bad bitch. As a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps a bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Everyone who's listening to this in the YouTube comments, tell us how you're going to build your bad bitch persona because I'm so curious. I think... Again, you're so smart because you know you're terrified and you're like, what are the things I can control? Yes. What are the things that I can do rather than just going in raw? Like I went in raw. I've been doing it since I was little though because I knew from 13 mm. where I wanted to be. So I put myself in those high pressure positions as off speaking in church, mm. you know, singing in school, like like so terrified. If I show you the videos, you will cry laughing. They've been on some of my Instagrams. But you got to push yourself. But what I love about you is you have a strategy. Yeah. And so I'm going to start applying that strategy to my speaking things. Like I'm got, I have a speech coming up this month and I'm a little insecure thinking about the top speakers in the world mm. all there. And then there's me. I'm like, oh shit, they're all going to look at me and think, why is she here? Right? Like you have your you, stories, yeah, right? Yeah, syndrome. And then what I say to myself, I'm like, but you have your own story and you, you're your own thing. Mm -hmm. So don't compare. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I say to myself when those little things, voices come in. I'm like, but you're your own thing. Just do your thing, do it well, and you're going to be fine. And so I'll kind of talk myself out of any of those little moments. But I love the strategy of music and your your outfit really being... Like, because when I have the right outfit on, I have such confidence, yeah. right? Um, there was recently something that I'm going to, I'm going to be at and I was like, oh, Kev, I don't have time to go get another outfit. I'm just going to wear this. 
And then I thought about what I would feel like in there. And I was like, I'm going to know I'm in this old suit. It's great. It's beautiful. I'll wear it to church. Mm. I was like, I'll wear it to a church service. That's fine. But not for this. For this, I have to feel amazing. And that's going to require something different. Mm -hmm. So again, I love when someone can put things that you kind of instinctively feel, but into like a real recipe. So now this is a real recipe for anybody out there who has to give a presentation at work and they're scared and they're getting the sweaty palms and all of this. So come up with your strategy. Yeah. So is there anything else? Listen to the voice of what you're worried about. Because it's usually right. I, so there's a chapter in the book that's like, uh, make a negative voice your bitch and your BFF. Because <laughs> it's like yeah. the negative voice can tear you down. It can be really bitchy sometimes, but actually also it can be your best friend and help warn you. So I learned, because I couldn't shut the voice in my head off of being so negative, that I was like, this is going to become very detrimental to me. It already has. How on earth do I flip this? And I'm like, okay, what if it was my friend? What does a friend do? They tell you the truth, even when it's hard to hear. So, okay, let me pretend it's my friend. Let me put my arm around it. Let me give my, my, you know, my negative voice a cuddle and a cup of tea and let me listen to what it's trying to tell me. I love it. So it's like, all right, homie, what are you trying to tell me? And a lot of it is you're not prepared. You have no idea what to say. What's your message? And I'm like, oh shit, they're right. It, she's right. I don't know what I'm going to say. Which is not going to help you on stage feel confident. Right. So now what is it telling me? Get prepared. Mm-hmm. Great. How do I get prepared? I practice so much. I was like that kid that I was like had the little thing and I was like shaking and I'm like reading it out to Tom in my bedroom and then I recorded it on my phone and I listened to it. I then had our team. Like I set up little chairs and I did like a whole presentation to my team and I was so freaking nervous. And it was like 20 of them. And I was like, all right guys, I'm doing my TEDx speech. And I was freaking nervous. But I kept practicing because I knew that was one thing I was really worried about. The other thing I was really worried about is what happens when I'm on stage and if I freeze. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what are you going to do? Because here's the thing. In that moment, you got two choices. It's either going to break you or you can move on. How the hell do you not let it break you? And so I said, okay, it's like the kid in the playground, you know, when they fall and they look at their parent Mm -hmm. and they're like, should I be crying or should I not? And when the mum is just like, oh, you're fine. The kid gets back up. But if the mum runs on and goes, oh my God, are you okay? Then the kid starts to feel it. So we feel each other's feelings. So now if I'm on stage and I mess up and I'm petrified and I freeze, I've lost the audience because they feel my anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I knew that. But sometimes you can't help how you feel. So I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? All right. In those moments, Lisa, you're going to make a joke. And I just told myself, you're going to make a joke. I don't know what freaking joke you're going to make, but you know what? You're going to laugh. And that was the only directive I had. But I was like, just whatever you do, do not panic, laugh, laugh at yourself. And I just kept repeating, mm-hmm. laugh at yourself. So I get on stage within freaking two minutes or three minutes of my entire TED talk speech. I'm telling a story about my dad and my AR in the village. And I'm like, and my dad gave birth to my AR. And I paused. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck. And I go out loud and I'm like, well, that would be weird. Yeah. And everyone burst into laughter and I moved on and no one blinked. And because I laughed, Everyone else did as well. And because mm-hmm. I didn't think of it as a big deal, none of the audience, they didn't free, like I didn't feel the, the air being sucked out of the room. So going back, I just had a plan. I let the voice in my head speak. I let her speak very loudly about all the things she was worried about that was going to happen. And then I came up with plan so that I wouldn't, not that I wouldn't allow it to happen, but that I would have a game plan or a backup plan yeah. or a safety net. Yeah, if you're going to rob a bank, you better know where the other door <laughs> is, right? And like, who's going to drive the getaway car? You're not going to just go in and rob the bank. You got to have a plan. You got to have a strategy for if shit goes wrong because the teller has a gun and now they got it to your head. How are you going to handle it? <laughs> exactly. You know how many times I've been in that position, Maria? I wish... I- <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's true. You got to have a plan. What if shit goes down? I am lucky that I have the stupidest laugh ever. So if I laugh, everybody laughs no matter what. So I'll just cop to it. I'll be like, uh, guys, I just screwed up or oops. Well, that wasn't what I meant. Yeah. And then I start laughing and then everyone starts crying laughing. So. And that's what makes you so special though, right? Is that you just own your mistakes. Yeah. And um, there's a study actually that I write about in the book where this guy hired these two women and um, they were doing like one of those blender demos. And, you know, you go into the mall or whatever, the grocery store, and then we always got those demos you can try for free. So he hires these two actors and one of them does the, like this, their demo splatter, their demo and they like, put the ingredients in and they do it perfectly. And it's like, ta-da. And then they hire the other actor and they're like, you have to purposely mess up. So they paid this woman to actually accident accidentally splash all of the blender and like not put the lid on pro properly. Who do you think sold more blenders? The one that actually made them screw massive up. screw up. Screw yeah. up. Now, if we all they know must have known that obviously. So they were hot. It was actors. Yeah. So they basically, um, the audience didn't. So they basically just took the day sales. So they had one person in the same spot do exactly the same thing. One day they mess up mm -hmm. the very next day, the different actor, same spot, same thing, splash, who sold more? The woman that made the mess sold infinitely more. How telling is that? That people love the relatability of people failing. Yep. But what's interesting, girl, is we still don't allow that within ourselves. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the thing to overcome, right? So I think that that's a massive secret source of yours where it's like you just own the mess ups. And I think that that's why people think of you as confident because it takes, it's very hard to lean into the mess ups. But for me, I actually use them as a way to um, calm my anxiety because if I just tell myself, oh yeah, you're going to mess up, great. What do I do with it when I do? Yeah. It's, the, it's the chapter that I call um, when the shit hits the fan, wear goggles. Because the plan isn't, um, the goal isn't to avoid the shit hitting the fan. Yeah. Because let me tell you, if you're trying anything new, the shit would, will hit the fan. The goal is when it does, how are you going to react? And that's what we should be focusing on. And that then just changed the perspective going, oh my God, great. Failure is amazing. People will resonate with my failure. It's not like I do it on purpose, but when I do, I just know it isn't a reflection of who I am as a human and what I'm capable of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fake it till you make it. It's tough. <laughs> Here's the thing. It's like everyone has an opinion. And the truth is I really don't give a shit. If that's what you need to do to get started, that's all I care about. It's like, when are we going to stop the judgment and the idea of like, oh, well, we shouldn't say imposter syndrome because of this and we shouldn't say fake it till you make it or we should say fake it till you make it. Like, it's one of these, does it feel right to you? Like, if you have to fake it to get started, then that's what you've got to do. Mm -hmm. Like, eventually, it won't be faking anymore. Eventually, you'll have radical confidence. Yeah, you will, baby. Yes, queen. <laughs> uh, I love the cover, by the way. Thank you. I remember when you were talking about mm -hmm. it and then just to see it come together, I'm like, oh my God, this is exactly what she was talking about. And it's so cool. And I know you created it on your own. Yes. Um, well, with a team, but yes, it was my creative idea. It was your idea. Yeah. I know. We did the same thing with our books. We're like, yeah, we know ourselves better. I think we're going to go with our vibe. Now, would you have done that in the first, because you've written a few books. I did the first one. You did the first one as oh, well. Yeah. I put my dress on for my pageant from Miss oh, Massachusetts. Oh, so that is your first one. I love that. And I, um, my husband um, and one of our um, friends who was working with us at the time helped make the signs. We put them on the tree right out here. That's amazing. In the front yard. And I did my hair and makeup. 
And so the publisher was like, okay, so we got to talk about cover. And I'm like, oh, I already have it. You already shot it. Yeah. They're like, what? And I go, yeah, here it is. This tells anybody who walks by what this book is about. And so that was that. And then when we did the second one and the third one, we did the same thing. (laughs) Does anyone say to you, because when you, obviously I know you very well, Mm -hmm. like you are very ballsy. Ballsy. I don't know where they come from, Lisa, but I got big ass balls and I like to test them a lot. So I'll do the craziest shit, like sing at Eurovision and like, okay, 500 million people like, all right, let's sing. Yeah, let's do it. Or let's, you know, whatever it is, wrestle at WrestleMania. I have huge balls, but I love pushing myself. I love seeing where I can go and what I'm capable of because I feel like life is so short. I I just want to experience everything and I'm okay if, you know, it doesn't go well. Um, or if it's not as great, but I really, I'd rather fail on me than fail with what other people think it should be. And that's why the book Mm. covers were so important for me to do with Kevin, because I believed in us more than I believed in someone else's vision of us or of me. And so that's why it was really important to do it that way. That's so powerful, girl. And that's the thing, like, a lot of people don't like it's like you want to believe in yourself but you've been told so much from the outside world that you end up not trusting yourself and you're not trusting your gut and um is there any things that you've done then to really is it just been a practice and that you've proven to yourself over and over that listening to yourself yeah you get more confident just like i said it's little building blocks Mm. like you you laid out in the book i think that when I was writing my first book, the publisher called my lawyer and told them I was writing a bad book. So he called me and I tell the story all the time. He's like, are you writing a good book? Or are you writing a bad book? And I'm like, I don't what know. What kind of question is that? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just writing what I think and what I feel. And I don't know. They're the big bad publisher. I've, I'm just a girl from Medford. I've never done this before. I didn't even know I was going to write a book. This just kind of happened. And so I took chapters of the book and I sent it to some people you know, my old choir sisters, some teachers from back home. I said, would this help you? Mm. Is this a value for you guys in any kind of way? And then I got their feedback and they were amazed by it and excited. And I go, okay, I'd rather fail on the account of me choosing me than what they want me to write. Cause they wanted me to write just like a hair makeup book. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's one chapter. I have yeah. like all this, like, I didn't know life advice. I had all these things I wanted to share with people. So we put it in the book. And it was different than what their vision was. They wanted just like a celebrity kind of yeah. whatever book. And mine ended up being like a lifestyle and advice book. And so I was like, okay, I, I'm going to bet on myself. The problem is we give everybody else the power. Yes. So I was owning my power in that moment and, and you know, moved forward in that direction. They had said don't even think about New York Times bestseller list. And I was just a correspondent on Access Hollywood at the time. I wasn't even the host of the show. Mm. I'm on a minute and a half a night, maybe Mm. two minutes, maybe. And so, um, but I did everything. I created the marketing strategies. I created the questions for the interviewers to ask me. So I would make their jobs easier. I did everything. I booked myself on every show. I called every favor, every friend. I had all the celebrities that I knew, um, social out for me and help me. And I don't like to ask for help, but this was my baby. So I did. And I made it to number three on, they had to call me and they're like, you made it to the New York Times bestseller list. And I'm like, what? And they go in the hardest category. I go, what category? They go advice and, um, advice and self-help or something like that. I go, Oh, I didn't even know I wrote an advice book. Literally (laughs) Lisa didn't even know I wrote 
a lifestyle advice book. And then, of course, it continued to stay on the bestseller list. But what was crazy is then that publisher took it and said, Jessica Alba, make your version. Molly Sims, make your version. Like everybody, mm. all the publishers were giving this mm. as the example and saying, okay, now give you yeah, your yeah. advice and give your version of this. And I know because a lot of them told me, like they told us. And so I was like, oh, so I guess I wasn't so stupid. <laughs> Dude, that story is amazing because A, I think it's a massive reflection of radical confidence is you didn't know what you were doing, mm-hmm. but you went in, you bet on yourself, you believed in yourself, but then you also asked people and that's really key, right? It's like, look, getting feedback is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And there's something that you said where it's like, you know, you bet on yourself and not giving your power away. It's so true because like, if you're not willing to bet on yourself, why on earth are you turning to other people and looking at them to bet on you? Yeah. And that's so strong. And that you also got advice from other people on like, hey, does this sit well? Because that's also the thing. It's like, it doesn't mean you're always going to be right. Yeah. You know, it's like when I went into trying this book, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never written a book before. So it's like, and that's actually where radical confidence came from. Because I'm like, it's the thing that I do in my entire life. I try something new, even when I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I don't feel secure. I don't feel good about myself. I absolutely have the imposter syndrome. Because I'm like, literally, the first words out of my mouth, girl, so Tom comes in. He's like, babe, a lit agent wants to know if you want to write a book. And I'm like, oh, that's sweet. I'm like, typing on my computer. (laughs) And he comes in and and he's like, he's like looking at me and he's like, did you hear what I said? I'm like, yeah, babe, thanks. And he goes, wait, are you just going to, like, are you going to, and they're like, well, babe, who would buy a book from me? Yeah. And that was the first words out of my mouth. Now, this is a year ago. So I've already built a billion dollar company. I've already built Impact Theory that has, you know, um, half a billion views on our content or whatever. And that's still, what, it's still. And in that moment, I was like, oh, bless. The 14 year old Lisa's still there. It's all right. And so <laughs> I, I, did, love that. <laughs> I didn't judge myself for having the idea or having the thought because she's still there. I can't do anything about it. But it's actually a nice um, realization that, you know, um, maybe I'm not over her yet, but that's okay. And then saying, going back to what is she trying to tell me? She's trying to tell me, at least you've never written a book before. And the truth is I haven't. So what on earth can I do in order to help my anxiety to get prepared and to tackle it and just say, what, what does a successful book look like? And to me, I need to make sure I wasn't getting external validation from whether it hit number one or not. Yeah, And so I've actually processed that over the last year as I was writing the book. And I was like, because I want to hit New York Times number one, but ultimately that isn't the main North Star. It is to impact that 14-year-old girl. So when I say, okay, this is the goal, but the truth is, it's like if I got there and it didn't impact people, that wouldn't be satisfying. So that's actually one thing I just had to process. But also, what if it tanks? What if I put my heart, my soul into it? And I think it's amazing. And I put it out there and it freaking tanks. Am I going to take that as a reflection of who Lisa Billu is? I can't. I know I can't. I know that's dangerous. And so I'm already, we're sitting here, the book hasn't come out yet. So you know I'm being very authentic when I'm yeah. saying I've had to process right now what I would do if it tanked. And the truth is, I said, as long as I've done as much preparation as I possibly can, if I've put every ounce of my being into it, like if I really have, you know, you know when you have and when you haven't mm-hmm. and when you've like tried to pretend that you've done a lot of work, but maybe yeah. if I really believe I have, there's nothing le- else left in me. And so if it doesn't do well, I can be proud that I gave it everything. And then going back to what I said earlier, then I'm just going to turn around and say, what can I learn from this experience? 
And now I'm more pow- powerful to it. I'll never ever say, I wish I hadn't done it. I'll never say like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't hit my goal because I've already done the work beforehand. Yep. I love it. I think that um, doing things, even though you don't know what you're doing is something that's so out of, you know, out of people's minds. Mm. And I think that if you do that, that's where you start to build your confidence and without the outcome being, you know, the yeah. determinant, right? You have mm-hmm. to just do something. Yes. Just do it regardless of the outcome. Because if your goal was to make it to New York times, then it's conflicting with the goal of wanting to reach the 14 year old. Yeah. It can right. Be. So, um, it can also be helpful because if you're on New York times, the more girls will get it. And so this is the point, that's right? That's where it gets a little confusing. Yeah. But the thing that I won't do though, is I won't do anything that becomes detrimental to my, my mission. Yeah. Like, and you can't assign a failure to it because you might get one 14 year old girl who's seen it and yeah. changed her life too. Right. Exactly. And every freaking failure girl is just a moment of an opportunity. Like it is so scary. So there's one, do we have time for a quick story? Yes. Okay. So there was one time at Quest, this was where I learned the lesson where I was like, oh my God, a failure absolutely dictates who I am and you know, how bad we are. And this was the moment that changed my life. So we're at Quest really freaking early days. There's like four of us. We hired just enough people to manufacture the bars in our facility. So we hired these three guys. They were running the facility. Tom's doing the marketing. I'm doing the shipping. The business partners are doing their thing. And then all of a sudden the guy comes in and he looks white, ghostly white. He looks freaking horrified. And we're like, what's wrong? He's like, I've just messed up a batch of the bars. Now at the time, the batch was about $5,000, which is a fortune when you're doing a startup. It was everything. So I panic. I'm like, oh my God, have I just lost my house? Like, has the company just gone bankrupt? And so Tom gets up and Tom's very cool. So he like gets up and he's like, look, don't panic. Let's just see what we've got. So he starts to explain, look, he was making a peanut butter batch a peanut butter bar batch. And then the very next batch was going to be mixed berry batch. And then the next batch after that was going to be lemon. So he's like, look, I was mixing them. I put the peanut butter flour in. I put the peanuts in. I put the peanut protein powder in. And then I accidentally grabbed the flavoring of the mixed berry bar and put it in the peanut butter batch. And we're like, oh, shit. But what if it tastes good? So Tom said, what if it tastes good? (laughs) Maria, I think you got it, girl. So we all try it. And all of a sudden, someone's like, you know, this kind of tastes like PB&J. So in that moment, we wrapped, we had like 200 boxes worth. We wrapped them all in in silver foil. We blasted on Facebook, because back then was like really early days when Facebook was the marketing. We blasted on Facebook, guys, we got a new prototype. Only 200 boxes. It's PB&J, exclusives, limited edition. Girl, we freaking sold it. Out. Was that your top seller? I bet, like later in life. Yeah, oh of my course. God. This woman, I freaking I know. love you, girl. I know because that's what that's what happens when you can stay calm and like, and and sometimes those are the accidents that are kind of meant to be, which is crazy. You don't know where it's going. You have to stay calm. You literally nailed it. So we put it out on Facebook. People buy them. Now what's happening? People are loving them. Mm-hmm. So everyone's posting on Facebook. Oh my god, this new PB and J is the best thing ever. All the people that didn't get to try it have now massive FOMO. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? There's a PB&J bar? We want to try it. Girl, we did the designs. We did the packaging. Within a month, it was our number one best freaking seller. Yep. And that was the moment where I was like, failure is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I love it. Lisa, 
This is officially absolutely 100% the longest interview we've ever done. <laughs> and I can definitely talk. And I could talk for another three hours. Like I am so like, I just, I love everything that we're learning and there's 20,000 other things. I didn't even look at my notes because it's just, yeah, it's just all there. So friends, Radical Confidence is the book. It is available. Is it today? today? It's available today. And I'm telling you, buy this for every woman in your life. Mm. But I also, it's funny, my book was technically marketed towards women, but so many guys bought it too. And so it's really good for anybody. The messages are gender neutral, um, but, um, but it's an incredible book. And I don't say that often. I am absolutely obsessed with it. And I've learned a ton and I hope you have. Let us know in the comments below. And for anyone listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, um, you can leave us a review and let us know how you loved the episode and share it with a friend who needs radical confidence um, or who needs tips for their next presentation or needs to figure out how to Mr. Miyagi, their husband or whatever it is. Um, But Lisa, I love you. I'm so glad that you're um, here and that we're friends and that we get to learn from each other and... um, And this is just so cool. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me. I freaking adore you. And Kelsey, my homie Kelsey. Love you, Liz. Love you, girl. Love you. Um, Texting through COVID with her. It's been wonderful. But yeah, girl, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And like being such an amazing support system. I freaking adore you. I love you. All right, friends. Uh, That is it for us today. Um, I know the queens learned a lot. We don't need to ask them. We'll talk talk about it in the next chat show for sure. But um, thank you for being with us. All of the information on uh, the book will be in the summary of this episode. Also, Lisa's Instagram and so much more. In the meantime, be nice people, make good choices and be present. Hey, Heal Squad. We have been on quite the journey together and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better. And it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it. And we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much and we love doing this thing called life with you.